better way. You know, we, we've kind of taken, taken the lead from churches that we're connected to, and they start everything they do with testimonies. Business meetings, counseling sessions, whatever it is, they start with the good news, what God's doing. Instead of focusing on what he hasn't done, what he isn't doing, we focus on what he has done. And it creates an atmosphere. It just creates an atmosphere where we celebrate what God's doing, and it creates a place for him to do it again. You, know, you guys know this, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And the reason we tell testimonies, regardless of age on the testimony, they, you know, they don't go out of date. Regardless of age, we tell them because it, the word literally means to do again, to create an atmosphere for God to do it again, to repeat, to show it again. And so we just want God to keep doing stuff. And so we're always going to talk about what he's doing. And there's nothing that's, there's no small testimony. And there's no like supersized testimony. It's just all God doing good things. And so we celebrate it. So. Lord, we just thank you for, why don't you just thank him, yep, thank you for all that you're doing, all that you've done, I thank you because you're, you're faithful, you're steady, you're steadfast, you never back down, <laughs> you're relentless in your love for us, you're relentless in your goodness that you pour into our lives, and Father, we just thank you for, thank you for everything you've done, for the things that come to mind right now and the things we've forgotten, I ask that you help us to remember, to remember your deeds, Lord, to remember your acts, the things that you've done. Lord, we, we want to remember everything and not forget any of your benefits. <laughs> we don't want to forget any of your benefits. You're, you're so good and you're so faithful. And, and Lord, I pray that you would put at the front of our mind the things that you're doing, that we would celebrate, that our lives would be a celebration of your work on the earth, that, <laughs> that our lives would be a testimony that you're still alive <laughs> and that you care about the matters, the things that matter to us. You care about the things that, that concern mankind. And we just love you for it, Lord. Yeah, just tell good news at work. When something good happens, tell everybody at work about it. It lets them know that there's a God that's still alive, and he does good things. So, Yeah? Well, at the very end, we will uh, pray. We'll pray for specific needs if you guys have them. Um, but I just kind of want to jump into um, the word for tonight. If you want to open to John chapter 14, um, we're going to go there and see what happens. Uh, it's kind of... I don't want to piggyback off of Sunday morning, and, and uh, if, if you weren't here, basically Sunday morning we talked about the role of the church um, was to literally be the salt of the earth and to be the light of the world. And <laughs> we kind of hit a couple of things on being salt and being light that I just want to set a foundation that we'll just jump more into this, all right? Salt is here to preserve. We're not here to, we're here to be life preservers, not stones tied around people that cause them to drown, Right? We're not here to slam the door of the kingdom in people's faces. You guys okay? You can go with me for a minute, all right? We're not here to slam the door of the kingdom in anyone's face. The, their first introduction to God or their reintroduction to God should never be the list of things that they need to change in their life. The first introduction or their reintroduction to their father needs to be he's absolutely in love with you. He has plans to, to prosper you, not to harm you. They need to hear these promises that we, that, that we say when we're in having a bad time, right? They need to hear those promises. They don't need to hear repent. They need to hear believe in Jesus Christ. After, you guys with me? What does the Bible tell us is the way you're saved? It says repent and confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's the believing in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and that God is the, that God is the God of the universe. 
It's that that causes people to be saved. The behavior, the Christian living, the disciplines that come with our lifestyle, it's part of the process, but it's not the first step of the process. It's the introduction to a good father that's the first step of the process. And so we want to always remember that that's the role of the church is to introduce people to a good God, right? We need to fish with a bigger net instead of a smaller net. Now, I know growing up, we would go fishing in Colorado, and there were certain types of bait that we, we would use for certain types of fish. We would use salmon eggs for rainbow trout. We would use different kinds of things when we go to lake fishing, and you want to try, try, try to catch these different kinds of sockeyes, or you know, if you're fishing for salmon, use the different kind of bait, right? Well, the churches narrowed our bait down so small that it's hard for us to really touch people's lives. We stopped fishing with a big net, and we made it really difficult for people just to get introduced to Jesus Christ, right? And so, as salt, as preservers, we're here to connect people to the Father. You guys okay? We're supposed to heal people, not wound people. We're supposed to make people thirsty, not curse them for not drinking. Like, man, we complain all the time. Man, people just don't want to love God. They just don't want a relationship with God. They don't want to be a Christian. They don't want this. They don't want that. That's not the, the problem is that we're not making them thirsty for him. And when we make them thirsty for him, they will come running asking for a drink. We quoted Isaiah 61, uh, Isaiah 60. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And it says, Darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness will cover the peoples. But, the, but his light will shine upon you. And then it says, Kingdoms and nations of this world will come to the brightness of your shining. In other words, the people of the world will come to you because you shine so bright. You will make them so thirsty to know who this God is, who this Jehovah is, that they will come asking questions of us rather than us demanding things from them. It's a completely different way of doing church. And, and it's, it's, it takes the pressure off. Because all we have to do is introduce people to God. We, we're not here to be the Holy Spirit. Right? All right. Light. Light gives light. Right? It doesn't reveal how bad the darkness is. It doesn't curse the things that were done in the darkness before the light came on. It's just light. It shines. It's just is. It's there. Right? <clears throat> All right. So let's go for tonight. John chapter 14. I want to talk about the brilliance of the Holy Spirit. How many of y'all love the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I don't think we talk about him enough. Yeah? I think we sing songs and sometimes he's mentioned. And, but man, the Holy Spirit has to be at the forefront of everything that we do. Like we can't do anything that we've been called to do. We've been called to disciple nations. Like, not just disciple your neighbor. Or that coworker that you don't get along with. Or your husband who's having a hard time. Or your wife. Or your children. We've been called to disciple entire nations. So to do that, we need the Holy Spirit. Let me say, we need the Holy Spirit. Just say that. As a matter of fact, let's just welcome him, yeah? Holy Spirit, we welcome you tonight. You're the spirit of truth, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation. We ask that you would come tonight and teach us, yeah? Speak to our hearts tonight. Reveal to us the things of the kingdom, the ways of the Father. <laughs> we just thank you for it, Lord. We just welcome you, Holy Spirit. Hmm. 
How many want to walk with the dove on your shoulder? Yeah? I mean, how do you do that? You walk with the dove in mind. You think about the dove. You don't want to scare it off, right? In John chapter 14, we're going to start here. In, in John 14, we're going to read uh, portions here. We're just going to work our way through this and see what happens, right? John chapter 14, starting with verse 1. <clears throat> it says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, but also believe in me. Because in my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. So that where I am, you may also be there. And you know the way where I am going. And Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. How many think that's a pretty powerful declaration right there? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And then Jesus says in verse 7, If you had known me, you would also have known the Father. In other translation or other places it says, If you've seen me, you've seen my Father. In other words, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. If you see it in the life of Jesus Christ, then it's who God is. If you don't see Jesus do it, then God wouldn't do it. Jesus said when he came, he says, I do not speak of my own will. I don't say the words that are in my heart. I don't do the things that I want to do, but I do the will of the one who sent me. I do what I see the Father doing. I say what I hear the Father saying, right? So everything Jesus did, I mean, how many, when you read the Bible, people have a lot of questions about the Old Testament. Christians and non-Christians have a lot of questions about the Old Testament. How could God do such things? How come this happened? How come that happened? But very few people, Christian or not, have anything bad to say about the way Jesus lived his life. Christian or not. You, you think about that for a minute. How many times do people question, but why was Jesus so merciful to the woman at the well? I just don't understand that. Why did Jesus heal the blind man who asked to be healed? They don't question those things. People question the things that have to do with the law. They have to, they have to do with, with fringe things. But when it comes to Jesus Christ and who he was, people are pretty sold on him being a good man. Even other religions of the world that don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah think that he was a wonderful man and a great teacher. And if Jesus is that, and he was a perfect representation of the Father, then you and I should make sure that everything that we do looks like something that Jesus would do, sounds like something Jesus would say. So if you can't find it in Jesus, don't do it. Jesus didn't just come to live like that to show off how powerful he was. Like, oh, look at me, look what I can do. He did it so that you and I could know who the Father was. He did it so that we could know who our Father was. So Jesus said, if you know me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. That's so cool. So Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus said, have, have I been with you so long, and yet you still have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? 
You've seen me. I am doing what my Father does. This is the Father living through me, right? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me is doing his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And if not, at least believe the works that I am doing. At least because of these miracles, believe that the Father is in me and I'm in the Father, right? It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask me in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So that if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. All right? Jesus came to reveal to us the Father, and then now he's foreshadowing that he's going to have to go away. He's literally saying, I will send to you the ability to do the things that I've been doing. You guys pick, pick that up there at the end of the reading right there. He says, you're going to be able to do the things that I've done in my name. Truly true, if you believe in me, you'll do these things and greater things than me. And he's saying, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it so that the Father may be glorified. He's trying to tell them, you're about to step into a new realm that you never realized before. And it's going to happen. And so he's just foreshadowing. And then he goes into, if you'll read the rest of chapter 14, he goes into the role of the Holy Spirit being our helper, right? Being our comforter, the spirit of truth, the spirit of life, right? You guys okay? So Holy Spirit came to reveal Jesus. I, the, way it, the way I understand it and the way that the Lord really has worked this thing out in me is the Holy Spirit comes and sits on my shoulder and reminds me who Jesus is. Like, like it even says here, we'll read it in just a minute, but it says that he will testify to you according to me so that you remember all the things that I've taught you. I bet Jesus taught the disciples a lot of stuff. I bet they remembered some of it just like we, we are. We remember some of it that just really impacts us in the moment, and then some of it we just forget until later on something sparks that memory. Well, he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to remind you of everything that I've taught you. He's going to testify to you who I am. He's going to reveal to you my nature so that not only will you know me, Jesus, but you'll know the Father. You guys getting this? The theme of all of this is to know who the Father is, is to remember who God is. Right? <clears throat> Jesus said that I have to leave. Let's go to John 16 now. Yeah? John 16, let's start with uh, verse 5. It says, But now I'm going to the one who sent me. And none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Like, they were upset, man. They, a lot of them thought that Jesus was coming to rule and reign now, and they were going to get to be the cool kids and, and rule with them, right? Like, we've been outcasts for all these years, and now you're going to come establish your kingdom, and we're going to be in the inner circle, and we're going to be like the senators and stuff, right? We're going we're to have some power. So they were, like, upset, right? But he says, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. I love the way another translation says it. It's like, I have to leave. It's beneficial for you for me to leave. And I can just hear their thoughts. How would it possibly be beneficial to us for you to leave us? Have you seen how we act when you're not around? (laughs) 
Jesus, do you remember what I did to that little girl who said I knew you? Come on, man, when you're not around, weird stuff happens. <laughs> Even when you're here, I cut people's ears off, for, you know? <laughs> like, and now you're going to leave us? And he's like, hey, it's beneficial that I leave, right? He says, if I don't leave you, if I don't go away, then he can't come. That's a good place to just say it. Mm, that's good. If I don't go away, the helper will not be able to come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, and this is who I want to talk about tonight, right? When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. All right? So the Holy Spirit's going to come, he's going to sit on our shoulder, he's going to testify to us all the things that Jesus taught. He's going to remind us of all the words that Jesus has spoken to us. Why is it so important for us to remember all the things that Jesus says? John 6 says that his words are spirit and they are life. And every time that he speaks to us, he's releasing his inheritance to us. Why don't you say that with me? When God talks to me, he's releasing to me my inheritance. He's planting the seeds of who he said that I would be by speaking to me, just by talking. That's why when he tells someone, hey, go and don't sin anymore, they didn't. Because he sent a word into them that carried with it the the capacity to do what it was sent to do. It doesn't return to him void. That's why Jeremiah says that he's watching over his word to perform it in us. So Holy Spirit sits on our shoulder. Not only is he there to give us power and all the stuff that sounds, you know, we always talk about. He's there to testify to us who Jesus is and all the words that Jesus said so that every one of us can have the fullness of the inheritance of what Jesus paid for at the cross. Amen? So when he comes, he's going to judge the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then he explains it, and we'll get into that in just a second, all right? He says, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. So, he says, I have so many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. In other words, if I told you all the stuff that's about to happen to you guys, it would crush you. So I have to leave so that I can send him so that I can tell you everything that I wanted to tell you now through him. So that you can have everything he said you could have, so you can step into the fullness of your inheritance, and so that you can do the things that I did and even greater things. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will come and he will testify who I am to you, and he will build structures inside of you that will support the weight of what I'm sending into your life. He says, I can't even tell you now, it will crush you, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you and he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will begin just disclosing and giving you information and releasing to you what is about to happen in your life. He will glorify me, for he will take... How will... So Jesus came and and by his lifestyle glorified the Father. Holy Spirit comes, and here's how he glorifies Jesus. 
by taking of what was Jesus's and giving it to us. Oh, Lord, I have to say it a different way, maybe. <laughs> Think about it for a second. It's the transference. It's the exchange at the cross. It takes place with the Holy Spirit. It just does. He is he's the negotiator. <laughs> he, is, he is the one who acts on our behalf with God, but he acts on God's behalf with us. And he begins to release to us things that we didn't even know were there simply by telling us who Jesus is and reminding us of his words. And as he's doing that, he's taking what was Jesus's and he's giving it to mankind. So the pain and suffering that you and I deserve because of sin, because of the things that we had done, Jesus took all of that upon himself so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How does that happen? It doesn't happen by just saying a prayer and asking Jesus into my heart. And all of a sudden, I will be perfect and righteous and do everything that Jesus did in greater things. It's a process. It's a relationship. There are things that my wife and I have in our relationship now through years of pain, suffering, joy, excitement, through getting to know each other, right, that we didn't have when we first got married. There were deposits made then that we're now beginning to see the fruit of in our lives. It's the same thing in a relationship with God. And in and, 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 and the rest of the New Testament, it even describes the Holy Spirit as a deposit. He's like a down payment, promising you of the rest of the glory that's coming with him. But it doesn't mean that you just get it all at once. It means that you are now stepping into a lifestyle where you can do what Jesus did. And how did, I think it's Mark, it's either Mark or Luke that describes Jesus this way in Mark 1 or 2 or Luke 1 or 2. And it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, and he grew in his favor with both God and with man. How did Jesus, the Son of God, grow in favor with God? I don't know, but he did. I know how he did it. He walked under a mantle, the Holy Spirit sitting on his shoulder. Completely. And the Holy Spirit would just be his guide, his teacher, his counselor, would release who he is, who the Father says he is. The Holy Spirit was there with him every step of the way. And Jesus is saying, look, guys, I promise you, I ha you want me to leave. Because if, if I leave, I can give this source to you that you've only tasted and seen a little bit of now. But this source is about to come invade your life to the point to where it's going to create inside of you the capacity to do what you couldn't do before. It's the grace of God that sent the Holy Spirit to us, right? Oh. And he's releasing to us our full inheritance of what Jesus paid for at the cross. How many want, want to have everything Jesus paid for? Like, I mean, I'm, I, think about what that entails. Perfect marriage. What does perfect look like? No mistakes? No. <laughs> perfect means through everything we protect our connection. We protect our connection. Whatever happens, we protect our connection. We want health. How many want to have health? We want to be healthy. We want divine healing and divine health. Those are things that Jesus paid for at the cross. They are available to us. So how do we gain access to these things? To where they're not just sovereign events in our life. Yeah, how many of you guys know what I'm talking about when I say, say that? Like, God just shows up and does something just because he wants to. 
How many think that's pretty cool when God does that? You get a random check in the mail or, or you're, you're feeling bad and you didn't really just like fast and pray for it, but God healed you anyway and you don't remember doing a whole lot of, of all the things that you think you have to do to get healed or you're, you're having a hard time in a relationship and the other person came and made things right when they needed to and you didn't really pray because you're still mad at them. And God just performs these sovereign acts in our life. And I want you to think this way, okay? When God does these things, it's not him just being Santa Claus and bringing us a gift at Christmas time. He's trying to entice us into a lifestyle of supernatural things. He's trying to say, hey, this is how my world is all of the time. Not just now when you need it in crisis mode, not just here or there. This is how I operate. Come taste of me. Come let Holy Spirit come into your life. Come get filled with him. Come get baptized with him. Let him sit on your shoulder and let him give you all of my benefits. Let him take what I earned through a perfect sinless life and sacrifice on the cross. Let him take those things that I deserve, that no one else deserves, and let him give them to you. All right. Oh, man, who, who wouldn't want the Holy Spirit when you talk about him like that? Instead, we, we talk about the tongues thing to freak people out so much. Like, dude, just get the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you your inheritance. Oh, we'll, get, we'll get the rest as it goes on. But don't, you know, have a middle block before we even get started here, right? All right, let's talk about those three things real quick and then we'll, we'll end it. Um, he says the Holy Spirit is coming into the world uh, and he's going to convict the world concerning three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Let's hit those things real quick and just kind of, this will tag on to Sunday a little bit on, on our role. So how is, why is Holy Spirit going to convict people of sin? And Jesus said there, he says, because people don't believe in me. So what is sin now? When people don't believe in God. When people don't believe in Jesus. How many thought of a lot of other things that could be sin? I, I, I know. There are a lot of things that, that are sin and can be sin. But those all come out of me not believing in God being who he says he is. Every sin, everything that I would do in my life that is not pleasing to God, that's missing the mark, is birthed where in some point in my life, I'm not treating God as if he is who he says he is. So my belief system is what breaks down and it causes a separation between me and him. And that separation is what causes me to relapse into behavior that was supposed to be from a, a man that was crucified and killed dead, gone. Right? The only way that happens is the separation. So he says the Holy Spirit's going to come and convict the world of sin. It didn't say he's going to convict the world of adultery, convict the world of fornication, convict the world of lying, of cheating, of all the things that are listed as the sin nature in Galatians 5. They're, they're there. The sin nature has, it has a, a, a mode of operation, right? But the sin, the root of sin is not believing who God is not having a connection to him. I, I believe that when we connect to him, when we really connect to him and say, God, I'm going to stay connected to you regardless of, of how my life goes, I'm going to protect my connection with him, I think that it will completely transform us into completely different beings. I believe it. 
I'm seeing it happen across this church. I'm seeing it happen in friends' lives. And it, look, the behavior stuff's important. God cares the way we act because we're carrying his name. It matters to him the way we behave. It matters that we learn to clean up our own messes as Christians and show the world that we're mature adults and clean up our own messes when we mess up. It matters to him because we are carrying his name, right? But the thing that matters most to him is that we're connected to him as sons and daughters. That's it. And so the Holy Spirit was sent to tell people, God is good. If you saw Jesus do it, then he was just showing you who the Father was. Look at Jesus and you look at the Father. If you have a hard time knowing who the Father is, just look at Jesus' life. He'll show you how the Father is. He did exactly what God would have done in that situation. He had the what would God do bracelet on, right? (laughs) So cheesy, I'm sorry. (sighs) Learning to keep the relationship. it's, It's called covenant, right? We've talked about it over a few weeks. We talked about covenant with God, covenant with our families, with our, our, our spouse, covenant with our children. Um, the, the way I see it is my wife and I are married. There will never be a we're not married. We, that's just the decision that we've made. Right? How, many, how many agree with that? We've made that decision. We're married. Forget everything that we've been before. We don't have to answer for that old person. That was, a, I don't know if it was three months ago or whenever it was, it was in the middle of a sermon, and that thought hit me, and I thought, you know what, and I think I even said it, I don't have to answer for old Jared anymore, and I just felt so relieved. I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> How many better, you feel like you have to, like, make up excuses for that guy, you know? Man, that idiot, I, I don't know what he was thinking when he did that, but here, mature Jared is here now to explain. Let's fix this problem. And then something happened where I don't have to explain him anymore. He's dead. I don't even have to talk, talk in shame about him anymore. I, it doesn't matter. You can ask me anything about my old life. I will tell you, and there will be no shame attached to it. Because I don't have to answer for him. I answer for me right now. And right now, I've made a commitment. There's a all caps yes on my heart that I'm staying connected to God. I don't need a, a, a little bitty yes today and a little, bit, a little bitty yes tomorrow and a little bitty yes after that. I'm committed to God. And so the, the days after this, I'm going to cultivate this covenant we've made. I'm not going to have to create a whole new yes. I'm just going to cultivate what we have, right? It's the same thing in our marriages. Look, there's going to be things that happen. There's going to be ugly seasons. We're going to hurt one another. All this stuff happens. But we don't leave. You know, my kids... We hurt our kids, our kids hurt us, we, you know, they, 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 you know, embarrass us in the grocery store and all kinds of stuff, but that's my kid, and if you say something bad about my kid, my connection to him is going to be much stronger than whether he was right or wrong. Yeah? And that's what I mean by it, like, man, God wants us to be so just connected to him that the things that would cause us to run and completely backslide before, that would cause us to run and hide in shame before, now, the light comes on where like, whoa, 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 used to, I would have done this, and I would have spiraled backwards for, for however much time you, it, it takes for you to spiral backwards. We all have different times. But now, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to remember my covenant with God, and I'm going to come to him and say, hey, I really messed up, but I'm staying connected to you. I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. I love the scripture. What was it? You, you, you sent it on Facebook the other day, Nicole, and I can't think of the text off the top. But 
Basically, he's like, uh, God cannot disown himself. You know, I mean, you guys have heard that scripture, but God will not disown himself. Look, look here, that's the deal here. God's not looking to divorce us. So just stay connected to him. Does that mean we won't make mistakes? No, we will make mistakes. We have made mistakes. But that doesn't, I've made mistakes, but Mandy's my wife. She's made mistakes, I'm her husband, period. It's done. You guys following me? So Holy Spirit came to convict the world so that, because they don't believe him. And so it's our job is to help them to believe him. And he says they came to convict the world concerning righteousness. I mean, as we've talked about this a lot, righteousness is literally being rightly related to the Father. Why don't you say that with me? Being rightly related. Or in right relationship. <laughs> yeah, it's right relationship with the Father. Amen? So in other words, when God sees us, he sees us through his Son so that when others see us, they see him. So he's saying the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to convict the world concerning righteousness because he wants the church to know that now we are in right relationship with the Father and so that when people see us, they need to see him also. So the Holy Spirit comes to convict us Christians when we're not taking the name of God and lifting it to the highest of standards that he set. And when we don't, he reminds us and says, hey, 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 wait a second. You're, you're, you're supposed to be rightly related to me in right relationship with me. And what you're doing now is not something that my name would be on. So fix it so that when people see you, they can see me. You guys understand? All right. And then the last thing, I always just love to hit this because Sunday we had a burial for this word for judgment. I mean, if you weren't here, you missed it. We had a, we had a burial service for for a judgmental attitude in, the, in our church, right? He said the Holy Spirit would come and he would, he would convict the world concerning judgment. So he defines judgment here, all right? You ready? What is judgment? The ruler of this world has been judged. I think it's uh, on the creative writing board, but maybe two or three years ago, like the Lord gave me this thought, like he, he, uh, the Lord uh, uses warfare on the enemy, but kindness on humanity. His enemy is not us. You guys hear me? Some, someone, someone here tonight, you need to hear that. You're not God's enemy. He's like not at war with you. You're on the same team, all right? Your nature may be at war right now. You may be having a struggle inside your nature, but you're not at war with God. You're at war with this alien thing that's supposed to be dead. If you're a Christian, it was supposed to be dead and buried. So who resurrected it, right? So you're, how many of you have ever felt like that before? Like you, 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 you go through a season or something, and you feel like you're at war with God again. And you're like, man, I've been a Christian for a while. Like this just feels, why, am I, why do I feel like we're on opposite ends again, God? It's you, go to him in that moment. Run to him. Jump in his arms. He's not going to pull him back and let you fall on the ground. Right? He's going to pull you close in that moment. And he's going to reveal to you, hey, you're at war with your old nature that somehow he came back alive. I don't know. He's a zombie. But you've got to go back and kill him again. Right? Kill him, kill him, kill him once and for all. Put extra nails in the coffin and then don't talk to him anymore because every time you talk to him, you wake him up. Hey, for, for that person that's struggling... The way that you resurrect the old person is you talk to him. 
or a familiar moment comes up and you talk to your old man with familiar terms. Hey, man, remember when we used to do that? Uh-oh, careful. I hear the nails in the coffin popping out. That's what happens. And the Lord says, no, I, I have come to convict the world concerning judgment. I'm not at war with you. I have issued judgment on your enemy now. And here's the coolest part of all of this, all right? We have been freed from punishment if we accept Jesus Christ. Let me believe that. He cast Satan down from a place of authority on the earth as the prince and power of the air, and he gave the believers that seat of authority on the earth. So we now, who have been tormented by the devil, have been placed in a seat of authority for us to torment him by taking back the earth for the kingdom of God. You guys hear me? Like, this is literally what we were born for. Don't you dare capitalize his name, Satan. I told, him, I told Josiah the other day, because he, he saw a salon somewhere, and it said Satan, and he said, does that say Satan? So we got into the discussion. I was like, hey, Joe, you do know that we don't capitalize his name when we write it, right? He's like, yes, Dad. I was like, okay, good. Just making sure you know how we roll in our family. <laughs> Look, the, the devil is completely powerless when you and I do what we're supposed to do. He only has power when we don't do what we're supposed to. He has been judged. He is, in, he is on probation and he's awaiting his court date. And he already knows what the verdict is going to be. He's got an ankle bracelet around him. He can only go so far. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking our language, aren't I? <laughs> I know my crowd. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Hope no one's got a bracelet on tonight. <laughs> I don't have one. <sighs> he knows his time is, is short, and he knows he doesn't have a home. And when you and I do what we've been called to do and remind him that he has been judged, and we don't do it by just like going around with picket signs and saying, ha ha, the devil's been judged. We do good things. We replace the void of what we used to do with good things. I, I was just having this conversation with Mandy and I was like, man, it's just so easy as a Christian to say, man, I know this isn't pleasing to God and we've had a conversation about it, so we need to fix it. It's easy for us in that moment to make a new list of rules for our life when the simplest thing would be to do good things in place of those other things. Like, I think it's in Isaiah 58. It talks about true fasting. He's like, it's, to me, it's not true fasting because you go hungry or go starving. And he's like, basically, go feed somebody instead of you eating. Instead of no one eating, go feed somebody. Like, replace the, the negative with a, with a positive kingdom thing. And by doing that, you're issuing judgment on the enemy. You're reminding him, him of his ankle bracelet. You're, 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 you're just turning the world upside down, and that's what we've been called to do. Amen? We have been called to be reconcilers. The best thing the church could... Look, I wish, th I wish that we could just make it where every church only thought about this. We're here to reconcile. That's it. What's your, what's your uh, purpose? What's your vision statement for your church? I don't know. We're here to reconcile people to God. I don't know much other than that, but that's what we're here to do. Let's just get God... Uh, into a relationship with these people, these people into a relationship with God. Um, and, and this hit me the other day, and, and I'll close with this. I haven't been talking a long time. but we, we cannot take that ministry of reconciliation until we receive the ministry of reconciliation. 
So what we do on accident and not meaning to is I get up here and I preach, hey, we're all ministers of reconciliation. And that's absolutely true. Everyone here has an invitation to be a minister of reconciliation. And we believe that. But if I myself have not entered into reconciliation with God, how can I be a minister of reconciliation? If there are issues that haven't been settled between me and the Father, then I, ha- I can't even come close to bring people into connection with Him because I don't know how to do it. Because a teacher in the kingdom is not someone who knows the information. It's someone who demonstrates what they know. And the Lord wants us all to be able to do the things that we have been, we've experienced. Like, we are salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Jesus is the light, yet he touched us and we became the light of the world. Jesus is the, the, the river, right? He's the river of living water. Yet when we taste of him, a river comes out of us. So when, when, when we're reconciled to the Father, we become reconcilers. It's just the way it works. What we touch, we become in the kingdom. So God has called us to reconcile the world. And the only way we can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't argue people into relationship. We just can't. And if you think you can, just keep trying. <laughs> We've all tried it and all been there. Sometimes, sometimes we get people into some kind of an encounter with God, right? But how do you keep them there? You have to keep arguing with them. You know, just like old days, you, you scared people into the kingdom through fear, and the way you keep them in is you keep scaring them. So, you know, we have to have the Holy Spirit. We have to know Him. And He was all about revealing Jesus, who was all about revealing the Father. Right? All right. I think I've said enough. Everybody good? Any? Sometimes I'm scared to ask this, but any questions or you never know?